one pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Felix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for being here once again. Big, big podcast. As you might suspect, after a monster, monster win yesterday for the Mariners, beating the San Diego Padres, thumping the San Diego Padres in just a route, 16-4. to The Mariners get the win over the Padres. M's improved to 30 and 21. Do you like home run highlights? I hope you do because there's several coming your way. If you don't like home run highlights, you probably shouldn't stick around with this particular podcast because there's a lot of them coming. So we have the, the highlights from the game, reaction from the game yesterday. We'll take a look at what comes up starting tonight. The uh, Mariners take on the Padres for the first to two. We also have... Bullpen banter didn't play it on its usual Monday, so it's going to play now. Charlie Furbush and Steve Johnson. Also, a great conversation between Aaron Goldsmith and Andy McKay. I think you'll enjoy this one. A little insight to what's going on in the Mariners' system right now. It's great, great information. So that comes up in a couple of minutes as well. But first things first, let's get to the ball game as the Mariners bounce back nicely with the win after being swept by the Minnesota Twins. And we're looking to break out the mini broom for the two-game mini sweep at the hands of the San Diego Padres. It's looked like a good matchup. James Shields on the hill against Hisashi Iwakuma. Hisashi Iwakuma did his part. He was on his game early. Iwakuma back with a 3-2. Kemp. With a swing and a miss and a breaking ball down and away for strike three. Strikeout number one for Hisashi Wakuma. That's it for Kemp. And the Padres here in the top half of the first. And Mariners wasted very little time getting on the board. Runners, their leads, they go. The pitch swung on line, driving a right field for a base hit. Cano Ronnie third hitting home. Up with the ball, Jankowski. The throw to third is cut off by Ramirez, the shortstop. Kyle Seeger with a two-out RBI single into right field, scoring Robbie Cano. Around to third goes Nelson Cruz. And with two outs, the Mariners have a 1-0 lead. With two outs, and that would be a theme throughout this game. In the second, a sixth spot put on the board, punctuated by a Kyle Seeger three-run home run. So at, after the end of two, the Mariners already held a 7 to nothing lead. And they weren't done. If it wasn't broken up be open before, it certainly was in the third inning as Seth Smith would go yard for the first time in the game. First pitch. Here's pitch. Swing on. Oh. Driven deep to right. That ball is crushed. That ball is out of here. Three-run homer, Seth Smith. And the Mariners have gone double figures. It's 10-0 Seattle. Wow. 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 And wow. Very appropriate. That ball flew over the Boeing sign. It took off on runway 2-9-er. Holy smokes. A home run for Smith. It was 10 to nothing, and the Mariners were still rolling. Franklin Gutierrez chipped in with another long ball. 
Here's a swing and a drive deep to right field. Jankowski going back, looking up. Goodbye baseball. Franklin Gutierrez with an opposite field home run down the right field line. His fifth home run of the year. And for the Mariners, their third of the afternoon. A two-run home run for Goody. And it's now the Mariners 12. And the Padres nothing. And then in the fifth, Seth Smith again, his second home run of the game. The windup and the pitch, swung on, fly ball, deep left center field. Jay going back to the one he tracked to the wall. Goodbye baseball. Seth Smith does it again. His second home run of the afternoon. This one the other way into the pen in left center field. Holy smokes. His sixth home run of the season. He hit number five. A three-run home run in the third. And a solo home run here in the bottom of the fifth for Seth Smith. And it's now the Mariners 13. And the Padres nothing. And the capper. Here's the 0-1 pitch. Swing and a drive deep into the gap. In right center field. Going, going. Goodbye baseball. Home run number five on the afternoon for the Mariners today against San Diego. It's number six on the year for Adam Lynn. A three-run home run by Lynn. The Mariners are just pouring it on. And it's now the Mariners 16. That's right. The Mariners 16 and San Diego nothing. And we're only in the bottom of the fifth. One in the first, six in the second, three in the third, two in the fourth, four in the fifth. The Mariners Cruise control from there. They take the game 16-4. to Here is Seth Smith after his monster game. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Anytime you can get ahead early and, and kind of keep the pressure on. You got Kuma out there uh, doing his thing. and uh, You just kind of roll, roll through the game. It's a lot of fun. You guys are doing what we've seen so often. We saw a lot of pitches in the first inning. You saw a run early. And then what happened? Uh, we just kept kept doing more of the same, and uh, were able to get some guys on base and some timely big hits. And you were getting the home runs too. It's looked like something you've kind of been building to. We've seen some good at bats of late. What's working for you? Yeah, I've been I've been feeling better. Uh, I've been working a little bit in the cage, um, just some mechanical stuff, and uh, trying to get it ironed out. Well, a monster day. James Shields, who took the mound for the Padres, began the day with a 3.06 ERA. He left with a 4.28, tied a career high 10 earned runs, allowed his third shortest start of his career as the Mariners really bashed Shields, chased him after two and two thirds. Mariners have been on a home run binge. Their last 26 games, they've cranked out 45 of them. That's more than Atlanta, Philadelphia, Kansas City, the Angels, and San Francisco have for the season uh, right after the ball game. So, I mean, just unbelievable. 45 home runs in their last 26 ball games, And the numbers just really grow from there. Mariners have taken over the Major League lead in home runs. There were eight hit in the ball game total as the Padres played some long ball as well. Eight home runs that tied the Safeco Field record. July 16th, 2004, Mariners and Cleveland combined for eight. And the Mariners and Padres yesterday combined for eight home runs. Mariners bash five homers, 16 runs, 14 hits, and they drew 10 walks. 12th time in Mariners history, they go double digits 
in hits, runs, and walks all in the same game. So, I mean, I could keep going forever about the different numbers that came out of this game. There were so many. Hisashi Wakuma as well goes seven, gives up four runs. He could be aggressive, and he was. No walks and five strikeouts. Gave up three long balls on 90 pitches. Bullpen, two innings, and that was it. Mariners 16-4 to over the San Diego Padres. Here's Scott Service. The games are good to us. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I can't say enough. Uh, our offense uh, showed up today right from the get-go. Uh, a lot of good at-bats. Obviously, the home runs were, were big. Uh, it's great to see, you know, uh, against a pretty good pitcher. You know, um, obviously, Shields wasn't probably on top of his game today, but we made him work, took a lot of pitches, worked some counts. And then, you know, took advantage of it when we had guys on base. Uh, two out rallies, you know, a couple innings there, had two out, nobody on, and we just kept grinding. And you look up and, you know, we got a crooked number up there. So really good, good ball game. Obviously, uh, Iwakuma, uh, I think his second consecutive outing with no walks, which is huge for him. And um, he was sharp. You know, early in the game, the split finger was good. He was using all of his pitches. So, uh, you know, nice win for us. Nice bounce back after a tough weekend here. Seth hit several balls hard yesterday and then, yeah, no, uh, obviously Smitty continues to have really good at-bats. Um, you know, the doubles yesterday, I mean, the home runs today. Um, Lynn found one. Obviously, Seegers, I looked up today, and I think I saw him hitting like 274, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, the first of May, I think he was hitting 174 or 147, something like that. So it says a lot for what he's done here over the last, you know, 25, 30 games and really our entire club. You know, everybody's pitched in at one point or another, so uh, great, great effort. You've talked so much about getting guys on and over and in and the conga line and everything else. Is the power surprise you from what you thought you were going? I, I didn't think we'd lead the league or be at the top in, in home runs, but then again, you know, we're getting contributions from everybody. You know, uh, Dayhole Lee chips in seven, and Linda's starting to heat up. Smitty's got six or seven. You know, Cruz, Cano, kind of ahead of what Robbie usually does home run-wise, but it's it's come from everybody, you know, so... When that happens, you know, good things, good things can happen. And uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, you know, it's not going to be there every day. That's why you'll continue, continue to hear me talk about the quality of bats, grinding the bats, because those home runs are not going to be there every day. But I certainly enjoy it when they are. Yeah, why not? Why not enjoy the home runs? The Mariners, the major league lead in home runs. And something that I find pretty interesting, Mariners now have scored 256 runs this season. That's second best in the American League. 70 more runs than this point last year heading into June. That is a lot. The most runs the Mariners have scored in April and May combined since 2003. So prolific offense going right now for the Seattle Mariners as they put up really, really big numbers in this ball game. The May has been sensational. How about Cano, Cruz, and Seager for the month of May? They combined... It's just been monsters. They batted 344 combined with 18 home runs, 62 RBIs, 23 doubles, 33 walks, and 59 runs scored. Those numbers just for the three of them, which is really remarkable. I mean, they're out, they're out homering full teams. They had more home runs than the Braves during the, the month. I mean... It's remarkable what they did. And the Mariners as a team, they had a giant May. 45 homers, just one off the Red Sox total for most in the big leagues. 
In the month of May, the Mariners hit 283. That was fourth best in the big leagues. They're on base percentage 346, just behind the Red Sox and Cubs for the month of May. The Mariners slugged 477, second best in the majors, just behind the Red Sox. The Mariners OPS for the month of May, 824. Again, second best behind the Red Sox for the month of May. I mean, it was that kind of month for the Mariners. They scored 156 runs, second most behind the Red Sox. Just a giant offensive month for the Mariners in May, and they look to continue the momentum into June starting tonight. So here's what we're looking at tonight scheduled. Now there's some rumblings that James Paxton was scratched from a start yesterday. All indications are that he's going to come up with the Mariners today. And as I tape this, we're not exactly clear what that is going to look like, what he's coming up for, what role, when he's going to pitch, when he'll be activated. All those questions right now are kind of just circling. So I imagine when you listen to this at some point tomorrow, we'll probably have a more clear indication of what exactly is going on and the corresponding move and everything along those lines. But I can talk about what we have in terms of probables for tomorrow. Felix Hernandez is scheduled to go 4-4 four and four with a four, uh, two eight six ERA. He came in with the second-best ERA in the American League to his last start and had a start where he struggled. He's going to take on Christian Friedrich, the former Colorado Rocky, who's pitched well in three starts for the Padres, including his last time out against Arizona. In Arizona, went seven, gave up three hits and no runs, walked just one and fanned five. So he's pitched well so far this season for San Diego. So, again, all eyes will be on Felix. He's scheduled to take his turn. Last time against Minnesota, went six. Gave up eight hits and six earned runs. Gave up a homer, walked one, and fanned six. That was on the 27th of May. So he is scheduled to go again tonight for the Mariners. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, that's for sure. Okay, I think you're all set for tonight. I think we covered yesterday. A lot of home runs, a lot of great highlights, a lot of numbers. I think I'll stop there with the numbers, although (laughs) there's about a billion more. There's so many. It's just a, it's one of those games and one of those months and one of those seasons so far for the Mariners. Okay, right now we're going to hand things over to Aaron Goldsmith. Great conversation with Andy McKay. Here it is. Well, right now uh, this is going to be great. We are joined on the phone by the Mariners farm director, Andy McKay, kind enough to give us uh, some time out of his very busy schedule and, uh, Andy, I hear we are uh, catching you on the uh, beautiful drive from uh, Clinton, Iowa, onto Chicago. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, just spent uh, five days with our Clinton team and heading back to Chicago to fly home. Now, right now, the Mariners farm system, uh, looking at simply at the standings, are doing uh, very, very well. The Rainiers in AAA are in first place. AA Jackson Generals are in first place. Clinton, a game outside of first place. What is it that you're seeing that has, uh, from an organizational standpoint, Andy, that has led to all the success among the affiliates so far this year? You know, I think there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, really from the front office down to uh, the guys in the minor leagues down in the trenches doing all the work. Um, you know, our strength guys, our analytics people, um, 
our, our training staff. So there's a lot going on, but I think, you know, there's a couple of key concepts that have really uh, uh, been powerful for us so far. And I think, uh, you know, for me, the number one thing is that we, we talk about ignoring the talent. And what that means is that, you know, we have players in the minor leagues that, are, that have uh, a lot of talent, but it's that understanding that talent doesn't win baseball games, and you have to convert that talent into usable skill. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in, in talent, whether it's an abundance of talent or it's a lack of talent. But the reality is that there's, there's players in the big leagues uh, for, with all types of talent levels. Uh, the issue is, is skill. So our job is to convert the talent into skill. And, uh, you know, and when you look at the skills that are important, you know, for me, uh, it's winning a baseball game. And so teaching players at a young level how to win a game, just like you would teach them, you know, how to run the bases and how to hit with two strikes, you have to teach them what it takes to win a baseball game. And there's a lot that goes into that. But uh, if you make it your top priority, hopefully we can continue to, uh, you know, send uh, our major league team, um, you know, skilled players that can actually go into Safeco and help the, help the team win a game. Well, Andy, as we're talking with Andy McKay, the Mariners farm director, I think that's it's a wonderful concept and something that when, when you see teams that it seems like year in and year out have a top-tier farm system, when we have a chance to talk to players from those organizations and the St. Louis Cardinals are a team that comes to mind uh, right away, a team that it seems like every year their farm system is just stocked with talent, there's this idea of learning how to win at the minor league level when so many times – Winning at the minor league level, at least for these young players, can sometimes go on the back burner to simply making sure they get their couple of base hits tonight or their ERA is under a certain point so they can climb the ladder and eventually get up to the major leagues. How big of a, of a culture shift uh, have you found it to be so far this season for you in your first couple of months uh, during the regular season for these minor leaguers to, to kind of start with some of these pretty, it sounds like, Andy, some pretty broad uh, swings in uh, kind of the idea of the culture for the minor leagues for the Mariners system. Is this something that has uh, taken as much time as you would have thought, more time or less time? How, how have you felt that it's gone so far? You know, I think our guys were ready to embrace it, and not only our, our staff but also our players. And, you know, winning is a lot more fun than losing. I, I know it's kind of a cliche, but winning is an awful lot of fun, and uh, it's nice to be able to fist bump at the end of a game. And, you know, again, the point that we, we always lose sight of is that, as you mentioned, getting your couple of base hits or keeping your ERA at a certain number does not equate to winning games. And we have to develop players who know how to win. And, um, you know, luckily, you know, within the organization, having the big league team in first place and a triple-A team and a double-A team and Clinton right in the middle of it. But even, you know, Bakersfield, I believe, has won seven out of ten they just won a series from the first-place team. Um, you know, the results came fairly quickly, which I think kind of re-ingrained and, and reignited our guys that what we're trying to do is actually working. And uh, and so it's kind of given them the confidence that they can believe in this plan and that it will work. So that's been that's been great. Andy, a, a few moments ago you mentioned the word analytics, and we have seen the Mariners shift defensively uh, more than most teams so far this year, they are above the league average considerably in Major League Baseball. And we know that you and Jerry DePoto have worked hand-in-hand in, hand in terms of kind of translating those shifts into the minor league play as well, especially in AA and AAA. Can you talk us through uh, the process for teaching the shift, the positioning, and the certain situations yeah. in the upper levels of the minors? 
Yeah, but we're, you know, we've done it all the way down. We do it in extended spring training, um, where, by the way, we beat the Angels yesterday and beat uh, Lincecum uh, in the extended game. But we're shifting all the way down at the bottom of the of our system, um, and it does take work because you're having players play in places that they've never played, and so your cutoff and relays can look different. Um, having that awareness, you know, there's plays where all of a sudden third base is left open because your third baseman is playing shortstop. And, you know, who's going to cover third if, if the ball starts getting thrown around a little bit? So uh, we spend a lot of time. We actually, uh, two days ago in Clinton, our early work was all of our cutoff and relay assignments out of our various defensive alignments. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's going to become a new normal uh, within the game and seeing players stand out in traditional straightaway positioning, I think, is going to become a thing of the past uh, sooner than later. Andy, is that data hard to come by, especially in the lower levels, in terms of who to put the shift on against? It is a little bit, uh, but, you know, you play teams more and more, and, you know, there are there's players that walk up to home plate, and you can just watch one pitch, and you know exactly where the ball is going to go. Um, other, other guys take a little bit more time, but uh, we've done a good job with our front office. They've been providing us with, with usable data, but you know, and there's no doubt it, it's easier the higher you go to get more data on players to feel a little bit better about what you're doing. But, you know, we've given our, our managers the green light to do whatever they feel they need to do at that time. And, um, you know, sometimes you're going to shift and you're going to get burned by it. But um, I have no doubt in my mind that at each level, at each affiliate, we're in the positive in terms of, of taking away hits because of our shifting. Talking with Andy McKay, the Mariners' farm director. And, and Andy, before we let you go, would love to get your thoughts on Edwin Diaz, who uh, at this point a few weeks ago was made, had, was, had made the transition from the rotation for Double-A Jackson into the bullpen. And uh, the numbers so far, Andy, as a reliever, have looked awfully good. Eight appearances, has given up uh, just three hits, an unearned run, 14 punch-outs over nine and a third innings. What have been your, your early takes on Diaz as a reliever? Well, I, I think kind of like everybody else who's, who's watching it all, it's it's pretty overwhelming, and it's hard to deny. It's even hard to question um, whether or not it's working. And, um, you know, he, he's a guy that he, – he, but even as a starter, I mean, there were some overwhelming starts in there too. And, uh, you know, we've created flexibility for the organization. We've also created flexibility for his career in terms of he really has established that he can do both of these things at, uh, at higher levels. So, you know, everybody's excited. Everybody's on board uh, with what's going on, most especially uh, Edwin is. So that's been great, and uh, it's just nice to watch. Because sometimes you, you try things like that, and it blows up in your face. And um, I'm sure we will do some other things that, that might end that way. But this one so far is, is going uh, very well. And finally, Andy, would, would love to hear just how much you're enjoying this uh, this job for yourself. Uh, first time as the Mariners farm director in your first season. A lot of new faces for the Mariners. And we know, uh, Andy, we saw you coming and going in spring training. You, most of the times you had a uniform on and you were always going to some backfield. So you were staying very busy. And I'm sure that that has uh, not changed now that the season has started. How much are you enjoying this job? You know, it's, it's crazy. But uh, sometimes crazy can be perfect. And I, and I love it. <laughs> and I love everything about it. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm a kind of a, a human science project of lack of sleep and large doses <laughs> of caffeine and <laughs> kind of turn you manic at points. But, you know, it, I'm doing my best to maintain. I'm a coach and I'm a teacher, and that's what I love more than anything. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to let myself get too uh, too far removed from 
being with athletes and trying to impact them, even though the job obviously can take you away from that at times. But, um, you know, when I'm on the road, I'm in, I'm in uniform and I'm in the dugout and I'm, you know, working with our coaches and I'm watching our players up close. I'm watching how our players interact together, how our coaches interact with our players. And, um, you know, but I'm also just caught up in trying to win a baseball game. And, and that's fun to me. And I, I, I think that's something I hope I never get too far, uh, removed from. So, uh, it's been, it's been great and couldn't be happier and proud to be a Mariner. Well, Andy, we are so appreciative of your time and uh, letting uh, us be a part of the science project that is Andy McKay. So uh, thank you for joining us here on Mariners Magazine, Andy. All right. Thanks, guys. And now it's time for bullpen banter. Hey, we're back again. This is Charlie Furbush. Yeah, coming at you again. Another edition of bullpen banter. Oh, man. Lovely day here in Seattle. And my guest today is Steve Johnson. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Very well. All right. Hopefully I didn't scare you with that intro, but I've <laughs> been doing this show for a little while, so hopefully uh, just trying to break the ice. Where did you grow up, man? Grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Born and raised there and got to play for him a little bit. Yeah. So. so, all right. Well, you said, is it is it Baltimore? Is it is it? Did you go kind of, I always say Baltimore. You know, yeah. is that? Yeah, that, that that's a, a common thing. Uh, okay. You know, you, you kind of, if you're from there, you kind of say it with a D. I don't know how that comes about but uh it just happens where you say baltimore and and uh everyone else says it like that but uh, everyone who's not from there thinks it's pretty weird yeah so that's you know you're true local if you say it that way since i got some inside information from our lovely uh radio voice uh rick riz your dad played in the big leagues when did he play 87 with the pirates and then with the orioles 89 to 91 and was with the tigers up and down 92-93. So he's got some time. His name is Dave. Yes. Who was your first big league strikeout? It was Don Kelly. Don Kelly. That was yeah. a former teammate of mine. 2012. DK, he's a good dude. Uh, I'm glad you struck him out, though. What would you, <laughs> you get him on, a heater? Or what? Heater. Heater. I went, uh, you know, fastball, threw him the slow curve, and then uh, went, went back up. Speaking of the slow curve, I got to ask. First off, I think it's one of the most effective pitches in baseball. You can't just throw a 62-mile-an-hour curveball just, like, with ease. How do you how do you get it down that low? It's not usually 62. It's normally around the 66 to 68. Still slow. Yeah. The the secret is throwing it as hard as I can. Yeah. Okay. And uh, not being able to get it any faster. Nice. Uh, I've tried. I've tried to get it in like the 75 range. Maybe yeah. have both. It just I throw it really hard. It spins good. It just the way I throw it. It just kind of comes out really slow. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's like you know everyone's pushing for the radar gun these days. Let's see how slow we can throw. That'll really get yeah, their timing messed that's up. Kind of been my theme with with all my pitches. So oh, okay, all right. Yeah, well I think it's it's working to your advantage. What is your most embarrassing moment on a baseball field? Most embarrassing moment would, would have to be in Oakland, 2012. Weeder set up for the intentional walk. I did the whole you know let's just throw it easy in there and and uh, threw it and it hit the backstop. You know that's when Oakland they were in the playoff race so they had a uh, they had a lot of people there and and uh, they they got on me pretty good. So. Okay. I think we're, we have the exact same story in Oakland for me, which was actually the weirdest thing. Also in 2012, I had to face Josh Reddick and intentionally walk him, which I was not exactly happy about. I was kind of in the game to face him, but they're like, oh, you got to walk him. So the first one I threw on the money. Second one, a little low. Third one, like 40 feet spiked off the catcher's chest. And I didn't want to do that again, so the fourth one I threw to the backstop. Run around second base. 
Gets the third, walk him to first, get pulled. Next guy K's him up, so get out of it. It's not a fun feeling. No, it's it's a terrible feeling. I did it on the first pitch, so the guy <laughs> at second got the third, and I had to throw three more. Oh, so I got progressively worse. Yeah, yeah I, I got better. I, yeah. I, I just said, you know, I'm going to throw it hard and, and pick up my leg the whole way, not slide step. It was just a combination of everything. You, it's hard to, to miss a 6-6 catcher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Weeders <laughs> is a big dude. Do you have an actor that would play like a movie about your life? Who 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 would that actor be? Just just to throw it out there, he's kind of he's he's acted before. I'll go Justin Timberlake. All right, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. I, I have nothing. I have no basis off of why. Just that you know. I feel he's like, awesome. Right, yeah, he I was mean, in a baseball movie once I yeah. think. So yeah. it's all good. Kind I don't know. I, I kind of I almost had you as a Ryan Ryan Reynolds type of guy. Yeah, I mean, I could I could you throw know? that out there too, but he, you know that's. That's fine too. We yeah, go, we go both. More we diverse. Combo. They could, they could go both. You know. There you go. Maybe he's too busy with the music we'll to fall back on right. Well, did, did you play an instrument? Were you how how into music were you? I did way back when. I used to play the trombone. So I tried to be different, and yeah, okay. everyone was going. Everyone was going like <laughs> trumpet and, and trombone, and the, I, I went violin. It's so like the hardest instrument to learn. It was hard. I stopped after two years. Okay. I should have played piano. I have big hands, but I just went with the violin and just kind of rocked it out for a little bit. So, uh, what is your favorite big league city to visit? Uh, well, before. When I was in Baltimore, I, I didn't get to go too many, but uh, here was where I first got caught up in Seattle. I really liked it. The hotel was awesome. Yep. So, Welcome home, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. It worked out pretty well. I, I like it here. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I love it here too. So, what is the your favorite home cooked meal by either your mom or dad? Is it is it a Baltimore special? No, it wouldn't be. I mean, crabs crabs can't be a home cooked meal. Cra- okay. Crabs you go pick up and. Bring them home. That, that bring them home. So, yeah. but you know, it's like there's nothing better than a good grilled cheese and soup. Okay. You know what I mean? Something simple. I have tomato soup to dip or cream of chicken. Something. Enjoy that. It's, it's something simple. You know, just hey, you, can, you know. And plus, they don't. It's not that hard to make, so it, yeah. it makes it easier on them too. Let's say we're in Chicago, and we happen to leave dinner and walk by a lovely, lovely establishment that has karaoke. Do you have a go-to song that you're gonna you're gonna melt the people's faces with? Go-to song would be would be tough. I think I'd go with like a like a call me maybe. Wow. You know? Go and just absolutely rock it out. That's a great call. You could pretty, pull your phone out and be like, exactly. call me maybe. You know, you know, really act it out. Really go for it. And you yeah. have to. You have to. If you're going karaoke, you're singing a song like that. You gotta go. Yeah. You gotta go off. Thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week. When Edgar Martinez uh, retired October the third, two thousand and four, there was a huge surprise for him: that Commissioner Bud Selig would step up to the microphone and say, "From henceforth, the designated hitter award in the American League would forever be known as the Edgar Martinez Award." He played his entire career. Right here in Seattle, became one of the all-time greats in a Mariners uniform and the best designated hitter ever in the history of the game. I'll never forget number 11 walking down the steps and out of our view for the final time in October of 2004. Because of your record on this night, the designated hitter award for the American League will forever be named the Edgar Martinez Award. Congratulations. I came to this land with a dream. That dream was realized here in Seattle, the best city of this great country. You fans were the biggest part of that dream. See you later!